Welcome to this week's episode of Hey, I think we're good here. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jackson Metakekia. And I'm Matt West. And we're here getting to know the sport of volleyball through the life experiences our guests have to share with us. Come take a listen. Today's guest is all-time great Bruin, Micah Maa. Micah is a three-time All-American, UCLA's all-time ace leader, professional setter in France for the team Poitiers, current setter and outside for the USA national team, and music artist by the alias Kama, whose song you heard in the intro. Take a listen to his story. Brada. Yes, sir. <laughs> what is Medich? Who is that? That's me, bro. <laughs> Holy dude. How do you spell it? Like, how do you say that? Metakekia. Metakekia. That is an unreal last name. <laughs> Italian, my friend. That's so beast. <laughs> nice, nice to meet, meet you, you, dude. I'm Jackson. Yeah, Micah, nice to meet you, man. For sure, bro. Micah, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate of you. Of course. Dude, 100%. This is so this rad. Is... Just be you, Micah. It's all, we, it's all we could ask for, man. Right, exactly. I think that's, that's the best product, you know? <laughs> So let's, well, dude, thanks again, for real. Yeah, dude, 100%. So I guess the first question is, like, why volley? Oh, gosh, okay. Um, I was kind of born into it. A lot of families, I feel like volleyball is, like, a generational thing. Sure. Um, especially in Hawaii. Uh, like, you know, the Shoji's, the McKibbins, uh, the Crabs. Um, a lot of times it's just in your blood, and that's, like, the easiest way to be around it from a super young age, just because it's not the most popular sport. Um, so my dad coached, uh, they were both, he was a professional player, he was on the USA team for a little bit, um, and then played pro beach when they had the four man tour, which I'm hoping they could bring so back. So sick. Because the four man tour, was the I dream. would drop everything to play on that. <laughs> uh, it just looks like the greatest time. That's so, the best volleyball, dude. It four is. on four on the beach. Dude, 100% is the best volleyball. Yeah. So he did that. My mom was a professional player. They both played at UH, met each other there. Um, and then when they had my older sister, they moved back to Hawaii from SoCal and kind of stopped playing just to raise a family. But um, i just been around in my whole life. So I didn't really have a choice. Besides the fact that I played, they let me play whatever I wanted. Um, it was just what was around me, and I loved to compete. So that was kind of what I guess I channeled all my ADD and energy through. It was like a volleyball was always the nearest thing, so I just grabbed it and played with it a lot. Dude, the guy I'm working for at, I work at University of Nevada, and my head coach, okay. my head coach played against your dad in college. Really? Yeah, he went to who's Santa the, Barbara. Who's your head coach? Lee Nelson. Lee Nelson. I do know yeah. Lee Nelson. He's the man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like even then, it's like volleyball is such a small community. That so like small. You, you just keep seeing the same people and like then they'll have yeah. a cousin that plays or like it's kind of a family oriented sport which more than Definitely. a lot of other things um it like just runs really heavy generationally yeah uh, yeah i could not agree more like the more you think about it and like 
especially in the men's community because there's only like yeah. 20 programs or whatever. It's like yeah. everybody's played against or with or whatever. And it could be like at JOs when you like go out to like the sandbar or like at Hermosa yeah. or in the gym or like whatever. But like everybody has ties some way. For sure. Everybody, which is I think like such a cool thing about volleyball. I do too. It's like, it's like so communal. Yeah. Like yeah. just going to like a beach volleyball tournament and like seeing people in such a great time. You just like. Like I ran into you at when? When was that? Yeah, I think I saw was you down at Six Man. Or no, I saw you down at her. I mean, I saw you at Six Man too, but I think I saw you down at Hermosa, and then yeah, you're just like okay, sitting okay. there on your phone, like where the hell is Zana? <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. No, it's just like it's super communal. It's like really like family oriented. I don't know. That's what, that's one of the few things I really like about volleyball. Yeah, sure. especially those Hawaiian ties you have, man. Like. With yeah, all the with really all the great small. with all the great players coming out of Hawaii right now, and it's like only from a few families. Yeah, it's crazy. Like people are like, "Oh, Micah and Kavika are from Hawaii." I'm like, yeah, Kavika's mom was my mom's roommate in college. They were my babysitters. Uh, no way. Micah, Micah grew up in living in the same dorms of the high school that I lived in with my family. His family lived in there. Like we, like everybody, is just super, super close. Um, it's super it's super fun it's super that's fun. awesome that's awesome yeah. how old were you when you first started playing club um i think i was seven i want to say i was actually my first <laughs> club team i've ever was on was Micah christensen's team a6 rainbows yes <laughs> me Dude, and so, so i was supposed to be on that team when you guys i think you guys got third I don't know. I didn't travel with them. I just uh, so, played with them in Hawaii. My dad's like, I'm not paying for you to go over there. I met, Micah, I met Micah in Tucson at like an HP camp. And he was, we were like, we were just talking. And then he knew my godfather because he's Hawaiian. And he was really close to the guy that like was the head coach for Asics Rainbows at the time. And then okay. we keep talking shop. And Micah goes, you're the Seattle kid? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And Micah goes, he punched me. He like punches me as hard as he can because, of course, it's Micah. And he just what? rocks me. And he goes, you cost me a gold medal, man. You're supposed to be on our team. If you were on our team, <laughs> you would have won a gold medal. Really? Yeah. And you were supposed to be on that team? Yeah, because they asked me to come play for them because we didn't have a team that was going to JOs or something. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if I want to go to Hawaii yeah, by myself yeah, yeah, yeah. at like 12, 13 or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's and, young. Like, I did it my 18th year. I went and played um, in NorCal for the Worsleys. For the Worsleys, yeah. The yeah, and that was a blast, dude. What was really, that club? Like, Pack Rim? Pack Rim, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. watching that finals. What yeah. position were you playing? Uh, outside. Outside? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was outside. Um, but, yeah, that was such a blast, dude. That was so fun. That was a stacked team, and you guys were going up against the HBC with TJ and Josh. Yep, yep. That, that was a they sweet were final. Stacked. That, yeah, was that was a, a super finals. good final. That was a super good final for sure. How many JOs gold medals do you have? Seven. <laughs> yeah. The winningest <laughs> JOs kid, I, I think, in history. I guarantee you he has the most gold medals out of anyone. <laughs> how many yeah. repeats? That's glory days. That's glory days. Right how there. many how many repeats did you have? You had to play some was it it could was it 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18? Yeah. Uh, at every level. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
because my I played up. Yeah. So we didn't win a team. So then I and I was gonna be done because I played with Tui and Evan and they graduated and went to college. Right. And in Hawaii we have nobody. We had eight people on our team. Yeah. Um and we didn't play boys tournaments, we just played national like Hawaii volleyball is the weirdest thing. Um so I was like, Yeah, nice, I'll just play like high school and then I'll just go to college and then the Worsleys wouldn't stop bothering me about joining them. So I finally just said, yeah, I'll, I'll come play with you guys. And then smart we, guys. Yeah. And then we uh, won that year. Was Evan Enriquez's dad was your guys's coach at Kalua Koa? No, my dad. Oh, really? The whole yeah, time? Yeah. yeah. Since we were, uh, yeah. Since I was 10, I think. Oh my, how? Okay. So, yeah, because like a lot of us obviously don't have like that privilege of having literally the same eight guys your whole. Career. Yeah, well, what happened actually was we had um, a team of I think eight or nine, and then after my 15th year or 16th year, everybody left. Like I don't know what happened. I guess there was drama. I just went over my head. I didn't really realize it until like my dad brought it up like last year, and I was like, wait, yeah, why did everybody leave? Me, oh, four of us. Me, Tui, Evan, and a guy, and Skyland uh, Engelman, who is a label for GCU. And we were like, hey, we don't have a team. Like, we have no, we have nobody. Uh, and Tui's mom found us, like, just players that were just willing that weren't even, one didn't play club. He was a basketball player, was on, like, uh, a varsity Iolani team. One was on JV for Punahou was three years under Tui and Evan. Another one was like a JV player from Punahou. Another one was <laughs> not even on the Marino. Like, we just put together anybody we could find that was like, yeah, we don't really normally play club, but we'll come play with you guys. And then we took that team to 16, 17s, and 18s, I want to say. So how'd you get – how did your dad – you said your dad was coaching at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. How did, how did he get those players up to speed, man? Because obviously you and man. Evan and yeah, Skyline yeah, yeah. have been playing for a while. Yeah, I think we. Uh, he's just super big on fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't, we didn't scrimmage until the week before we'd go to nationals. That's the only time we play six on six. Wow. Uh, other than that, we, we, never had, we never had enough people to play, like, five on five. There was only eight of us. Yeah. That's how and it was we practiced, in Seattle, too. I'm with we you. practiced three times a week in spring because Tui was our varsity quarterback. Evan lived on the big island, and everybody, like, played other sports. So we didn't practice, like, most of the year. So we only really had, like, three months, four months of three times a week, an hour and a half. And all we did was just, like, pass free balls and set free balls. That's pretty much it. <laughs> it's the weirdest <laughs> thing, I swear to God. But just like, practice hitting corners. Yeah, exactly. And then we I think my dad just made their jobs really, really simple. And they like perform like really, really well. My dad like if it was a good pass, the middles would commit no matter what. Um and then they're like no read blocking. And then everybody has to block line. Like we had a really good system. Yeah. Everybody man. has and then to just block. defend the angle, just sit in. And just defend the angle and <laughs> uh in the championship, actually, we started setting our medals, and our assistant coach, who like was my was there since I was a baby, who's like my dad's best friend, um, he told our medals only tip the ball. Nobody's gonna be up. 
just just tip it like this, straight down. <laughs> and they had like six skills in one set, and the other team was like going crazy. Um, we just made their job simple. Uh, the libero wasn't. He got he got served a couple times in one game, and nobody had served him because I was a setter before, so I switched to outside because we lost uh, our outside because Evan went to go play nationals or like on the USA team one year. So I had to hit. So they served me and our libero like made it through the whole tournament without getting served. And then somebody served him and he shanked it. And they're like, oh, and they served him again and he shanked it. And we called timeout. And he's like, guys, I think they found me. I think they found me. Um, so we just started <laughs> passing like two, me and two. Uh, just making sometimes, their role. Sometimes really that jersey's small. a target, man. Dude. Yeah, I know for sure. Jackson says it all the time. But it was a disguise for a while. It's the uh, best secrets no, of club volleyball. Yeah, so they just they just did their job super super well, and we were a super low air team. So we just told them like, hey, just keep your serve in, play defense. Just gave them roles that everybody could do. Everybody had a role they knew that they could do, and then they just did it. That's really valuable clear and really really valuable yeah how would you define because like you're we have we always talk before every podcast and we'd want to find a theme for each person that we have right and the one that we had for you was like your role as a volleyball player has been like incredibly fluid in the sense that like you've played outside you've played opposite you've played setter you've played like you've played so many positions at a pretty high level and we're like what how do you deal with it because like your role had to be so fluid that was like one tournament i'm gonna have to be like our main receiver one tournament i'm gonna have to be our main spiker one tournament i'm gonna have to set balls but every tournament you were a good server so that's pretty easy but like how did you deal with that or were you just like this is great i just get to play volleyball I think it's super lucky that I get to do that because every hitter wants to set and every yeah. hit, well, every setter wants to hit, and I get to do both. <laughs> um, it's just like whichever one that I'm doing worse at, I want to do the other one. So like if I'm <laughs> setting, I'm like I'm not setting that well. Like I want, I'd rather be hitting. Or if I'm, people ask me what my favorite position is, I'm like, dude, whichever one I'm doing better at at that time is just like the one I'd rather be doing. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I said, we just we, we just did fundamentals my whole my whole childhood um we didn't even we didn't play any live we just did drills and everybody had to do all the drills so like the middles had to set the like we just made everybody as complete as a player as we could um because we're all the same height so like i was the tallest on the 18th team so like you never know so we all had to just jump around from position to position i mean it's super fun except for when you realize like you're not getting the, the chance to kind of like master one, but yeah. you're competing with people that are doing that every day. Um, and that's when it gets a little tougher. Because besides that, I just think it's just volleyball. You just get to play. For sure. You just get the ball down on their side like, and just try and win, no matter where you are on the court. If we have to rotate in like middle front sets, it doesn't matter. Let's just try and win. Right. Um, but then when you get to like the international level and you're like, dude, this is tough to try and connect with hitters when you don't like set after a week. And then like, you're coming in early to get serve, receive reps. But like, then that day you don't even pass. You're like setting the whole day. And then the next day 
you're getting setting reps because you think you're going to set that day and then you're passing and you're like can't really find a sink it only like starts to show when you get to that level that's when it gets to be like oh it's probably more of a curse than a blessing um always been a blessing to me just to be able to just or like I get aggressive and I want to hit and then like luckily the coaches I've had have been pretty like accepting of that too it's like if we're not doing well hitting and I'm like dude just let me hit just let me hit but sometimes they're like okay okay we're gonna let you hit and that and that's been like so, so amazing because I know every setter wants to do that it, there's nothing more frustrating than being a setter that like you're giving it everywhere and you think it's good balls and and it's just not uh you're not winning or people aren't putting it away uh and to be able to like switch to that is pretty sweet dude it's such yeah a I think this feeling. is the, I think this is the third time we're saying it on the podcast but being a true 6-2 setter and hitter is like the most fun volleyball position you could ever be in. If they set you, they get sets. Yeah. So if you're in a 6-2, it's kind of like a brother-brother situation too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's got to be such a gratifying or gratifying feeling too when you're like, I can do this. I just want to let you guys know that like I can receive and I can attack. So like if you guys can't pull it together – I'll take your job. <laughs> I've never, I've never like, I've never wanted it to be that at all. It's just been about just trying to get like trying to win, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like, I, cause I don't really want to step on anyone's toes or anything like that. It's just like, I'm just like, all right, we can figure it out later, but let's just like, we're in a game. Let's do whatever we can to win. And then after we'll fig- figure out like about feelings and stuff, you know? <laughs> Afterwards, dude, I'll like take that. your job. I don't give a shit. No, not even close. <laughs> no, not even close. I'll go back to whatever. But like, if that's just what we need and like, I would be in the same situation. I've never like, if you, if people have played with me, like if I'm not doing good, I'm not the guy that's like, I got this. I'm like, yeah, hey, can sure. you like help me out? Like, yeah, I'm I don't the same way. That, like, yeah like hey i'm I'm not gonna lie dude yeah like who's i hate when people lie and they're like no dude i'm fine i'm like no you're not you're not fine you just made like 10 errors in a row like let me help you if i if i'm doing bad i'm like unless i'm like really aggressive or i'm like i know i can like get out of it i'm like all right take me out just take me out let somebody else try like i've never that's which is why like in france um it didn't happen a ton but like Mitch Stahl was like, man, just be ready. Like, they use subs a lot. Like, if you're not yeah. doing well, like, it's different than America. And I was like, perfect. Like, if I'm doing bad, I would like to get, like, put someone in and give them a shot. See what yeah, they can man. do. Yeah, because the whole goal, like you said, is, like, it's to win. I remember I remember that when we played Narbonne our last match. Like, I got yanked in the middle of the third. And everybody's like, you didn't do bad. You didn't do bad. I was like, you guys, we just took three points. And in this league, if you win three points, you know, like you go from like eighth to fifth, or you could go eighth to 12th in a week. So it's like, I'm down. I don't care. We just took three points, man. Dude, 100%. Like, I don't know. I think that was just the way. Because also, uh, what also helped was that Tui and Evan were, uh, these are my childhood friends who I played with since, Tui was on that first Michael Christensen team. Um, and we were pepper partners because he was super young and I was super young. And then uh, my dad's like, oh, let's just take you guys and make our own team, uh, get you guys on the court. And then that's how this all started. Yeah. And then we picked up Evan later on at 12s, I think. Um, but they were always like studs. Like they were always so much better than me. Like not even close that like, made my job so easy. I never had like 
confident. I was just like, oh yeah, just give the ball to them and they they put it away and we win. <laughs> so and like I realized that I'm like I like to win. I I don't care if it's about me. I just want yeah. to give to me the ball and we win. And so like even as I've like grown up and luckily like growing up in Hawaii too, you get like some different ad- advantages and and disadvantages. Um, it's not. I just wanted to win. You know. For sure. Like, I think, yeah, I feel the same way. Of like, at the end of the day, and, like, I mean, you, you, like, you and I have both been, like, really fortunate and also really unlucky at times because we've had other setters in our class that were also really good. So, which meant that we were going to have to spend some time on the bench growing up, like, with USA stuff, which was, like, always – it's uh, it kind of sucked because you're like, all right, Josh Tuninga, you're, you're pretty damn good, man. Like, I kind of got to let you go. And, like, with Micah Christensen, I was like, Micah, you're pretty good, man. Like, I kind of got to let you just go with this. But it's also, at the same time, you're like, dude, if they're balling and we're balling, that's all that matters. Like, I just want to win. I just want a gold medal. I want to get out of here with the gold medal. And luckily, they're good guys, too. They're um, the greatest guys. Josh, more than anyone. So, it's like, if I could ever watch someone succeed, I would choose it to be him. Because he's just yeah, the nicest. It just, yeah, it was the same with most Micah. Most down-to-earth guy. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I've never seen hands like this. Like, you just go, just throw that thing anywhere you want it. Like, I'm totally fine over here. What was it like playing against Josh, uh, Tuaniga, and TJ? I mean, pretty much, what, your whole club career, and then you end up meeting them in the NC2A finals? They're just so talented. Like, they are so good at volleyball. It's unbelievable. <laughs> TJ and Josh, and they played together so long. that, And it's such a fast ball that it's just like, I guess it's kind of just normal now, you know? It's like, dude, these guys are so ridiculously good. It's unbelievable. Um, and you just try your best. But you still try your best to win, obviously. What was it like playing on the same team with them and, like, training against them for the first time? I remember when we started playing together. I think it was my ju- – junior year of high school just so fun because you get around like everyone's young nobody like everyone just wants to have a good time nobody knows yeah and nobody knows so you just show up to like a camp and you're there for like we actually trained for a super long time yeah and you're just there and it just seems like you're just having a sleepover after sleepover after sleepover (laughs) and like volleyball literally yeah like yeah we play volleyball like but that's you're like, where's the pool? Where's the hot tub? Right. Like, let's just go chill and then, like, go eat as much food as we can. So us, like, getting together at a younger age actually probably helped because you just develop more of a friendship than, more than like, anything else, you know? There's, like, it, to me at least, it was so not about volleyball, so much more about just having a good time. Oh, yeah. You're, like, building it. I mean, you're building the brotherhood. You don't remember the volleyball at all. I just remember the stupid shenanigans we got into. <laughs> I so bet your dad he, loved that. Oh yeah, loved that my whole life. So uh, <laughs> he's pretty used to it. <laughs> so when you when you signed to UCLA, did was there any role clarity provided to you, or was it like you might be a hitter, you might be a setter, or did you sign as a setter? The first with clarity was this past year in France, actually. Oh man! Like I've never started a season with. Like saying this whole year you're going to be a setter or you are a hitter. Like it's always just been joining the team and then playing and then just seeing. God, that is so gnarly. What was your role in France this year? Just set the entire year. 
Um, they were they were really close to putting me at hitter at some points of the year. Um, but no, yeah, I set the entire year. And that's my second year setting full-time. Start to start, like, specializing a little bit more. Because my junior year of college, I got so much better as a setter. Um, reps and figure things out. Because um, you're always in the same mental space, too. You're always thinking about the game through that. I don't know what I what I want. I just know that it was pretty nice to try and figure out how to set just because I think setting is so much harder than hitting. Um, And it's something that takes so much more like consistent work than hitting, like hitting, you can kind of like passing for sure. You need consistent work. Um, You can kind of figure it out easier than dude. Setting is, I think the hardest thing in volleyball for sure. What makes it hard? Ooh. Um, Absolute consistency is what makes it hard. It's like, I've never seen a position that just can't make a mistake. Like a setter's mistakes are highlighted. If you make a bad mistake, like people are like, what are you doing? And then like hitters just spray balls and like, okay, next ball. Or like you shank a ball. It's like, okay. But like if a setter gives you a ball like six six inches too high, they hear about it like the next second. It's like, hey, that's too high. That's too low. Every single ball. And it's like, I feel you, dude. I feel and you. I'm like, dude, I, I haven't said – I don't say spike the ball six inches left, six inches right. Like, <laughs> you don't kill it at 1,000%. Like, nobody's passing 1,000. Nobody's hitting 1,000. But the setter's got to set 1,000, and every ball's got to be perfect or else you hear about it. It's so really interesting, say- too. Like, it's like a total culture shift, like, from the U.S. to – obviously like in Europe because in Europe like I remember that was a huge thing for me this year that they kept talking to me about they're like you have to be harder on your attackers like you can't ask them like hey is it too high too low and I was like dude our whole culture is like to create a constant dialogue loop with your attacker and like build trust but in Europe they're just like you gotta like puff your chest out and like be the man and like if they suck then you have to be like you suck man like step it up (laughs) dude it's it was so refreshing to go to europe and like set a bad ball and the hitter like not say anything and try and work with it and be like no once that ball comes to me it's my job yeah because that's how i attack hitting it's like i've never given feedback like once it comes to me i it's i have to do something with it yeah and Uh, i think i don't know if that's like a hawaii thing either or like i think just good players are like that in general it's just like it's my problem it's not your problem anymore but Josh Taylor, I remember talking to him, and, like, he was playing with Taylor Crab like, when they were really young, and Chris was yeah. the coach. And Taylor said something to the effect of, like, I need the ball higher or lower. And Chris immediately called a timeout and just pulled him aside and just ripped him. Dude, that is – that's actually happened to me. Like, <laughs> so my assistant coach, my dad's best friend, um, I set a ball somewhere and – the hitter went like this. Yeah. Jesus, oh, dude. There's nothing I hate went, more, dude. He went off. He, I've never seen him so angry. And he's, and nobody ever said a word about another set I ever set. So it was pretty nice. Yeah, dude. I had that happen in junior college. Like, one of my middles, I set him low. And one of my middles was, like, fucking made an error or something. Sorry, take the F word out. <laughs> no, uh, no, go. And he was like this. And my, I had a really good coach at the time, Bo Daniels, and he ripped that guy so hard. Dude, it's so healthy because it's just such a bad 
I don't know where it came from, but it's such either. a bad rap for the setter. Oh yeah, dude. Or like I don't know where that came from, but it's such a bad rap. Or when like, guys it's just like, like throwing someone under the bus, oh, dude. Or they catch themselves in the net because it's like too tight or oh, whatever, God. and it's just like it, there's dude, so much. What? <laughs> there's so much extracurricular going on with that. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, being a being a hitter is so much easier. Dude, I remember when I, cause when I went to Finland, I was, I was technically coaching with the national team because they were like they cut me, and so like I was technically the assistant okay. coach for the Pan Am Cup team, and so I told this team in Finland, which is so sick, right? So I get I get cut on Friday and I get hired on Monday. Shut up. They're like, dude, we don't want you to. They're like, you know what? We got enough setters. And I was like, all right, cool. This is totally heartbreaking and devastating, but fine. And then yeah. 30 minutes later, I get a call from Ron Larson. He's like, I want you to come coach with me at Pan Am Cup. And I was like, sick. I'm in. <laughs> and right? how was, what was that like, like coaching people that you were just playing with? with so like- it was really weird because, like, Friday I get cut, right, and whatever. And, like, at this point I'm, like, a utility player. You know the gym. Like, you're on the B side. And, like, yeah. some days you have a libero. Some days you don't. Some days you have an outside. Some days you don't. Yeah. But, like, I was doing, like, everything. Which was great because, yeah. like, magically people just wouldn't show up. And I was like, I showed up today. I get to yeah. play. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but it was really interesting because on Monday I walk in and, like, this is kind of like what we were talking about with, like, a, as a setter, you have to, like, be pretty demanding and be like, I, I'm not going to take shit from anybody. Yeah. So, like, immediately I walk in and, like, Kyle Russell, being Kyle Russell, is like, hey, coach. And I was like, don't you fucking talk to me like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, you have to nip it in the butt right away or else people yeah. will start making fun of it. And it was actually one of the For smoothest sure. transitions I've ever made. Cause I always, I always played like as an intellectual player, not as like a super aggressive or like, yeah, that just wasn't my personality. I was like, this is what we're going to do. Here's how we strategize it. And this is what we're going to do to win. Yeah. So guys always knew me for being that type of person that was like, we're playing a game within a game. I was like, right. we're just we're gonna make him set this so that at the end he sets this and we know he's gonna set that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's yeah, that's how I always thought. So when I went into coaching and I knew I always wanted to be a coach, it was like really easy. And the guys were like begging for a coach because you know Braun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just hardcore, like he just works you to the bone, but there's not a ton yeah. of feedback. So when there was a guy that was there that could, like, go off of him and be like, here's this feedback loop that, like, I can create with you guys now and help you out, they were like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. So it was actually really, really nice. Dude, I actually got – I didn't even realize that this happened. But we were we got our head coach in December, late December or yeah. early January. Um, and he took us on, like, a retreat to, like, get to know us and stuff. And so – he took us. He took us to some place, and we started playing like spike ball. And I got super heated with somebody, and I like squared off with them, and I shoved them, and like I was like, "Let's go, let's go!" And I was getting super nuts. And they pulled. They pulled us apart. Well, they pulled me apart. And then I later on realized that like Europeans and Brazilians are so, or like other countries are so different that that actually helped me so much. People, like, respected me. They knew I had, like, yeah. I had that in you me. You have balls. And after that, 
I just got treated way – and I didn't put it together until Mitch Stahl was like mm. – like told me like, dude, yeah, I had to do that one time too. And like now people treat me way differently because they know I have like the chance to have some screws loose. All right, uh, so speaking, speaking of squaring off, I've heard a story about you oh, that what, when, you were, when you were playing – I'm not sure if it was your junior or senior year. But you guys were at SC, I believe, USC. Yeah. And some guy was <laughs> some guy was giving you crap in the stands. And immediately yeah. after the final whistle blows, I mean, he must have been saying some some bad stuff to you because I heard I heard you were not having it. Yeah, no, I I was frustrated. That was our last game. Um I guess he was saying stuff. I didn't hear him the entire game. <laughs> saying really messed up stuff i didn't hear a thing but what happened was i went back to the service line and it was like 11 we're down in the fifth um and i was already pretty upset and i'm like kid keep me on the service line we're gonna win this game uh and i serve the first one we get a super high overpass and it's like you know those balls you're just begging to hit the roof so you don't have to play them out yeah it's like this close to the scoreboard seriously it's not gonna touch and then um, our libero jukes out our middle, and the ball drops in the middle of our court. Uh, and I'm like, oh, my God. Ready to just so punch the ball 14, into the 11. stands. So not, yeah. yeah, so now I'm so upset. And the ball ends up by this guy. And I go to get it, and this guy gets in my face, like, within, like, a foot, and just starts mouthing off me. And I'm just like, hey, stay right here. I'm going to have a word with you after this game. Stay right here. <laughs> and I'm smart. I'm not going to, like – swing i'm not gonna do anything dumb i just wanted to go up to him and talk to him but my dad had seen that and he got he was on the way opposite side of the stadium and by the time the last point we lost the next point he was right behind the guy with my whole family (laughs) um and i just i was telling him like hey i'm not dumb i'm not gonna do anything right here but let's let's do something and then Everyone started pushing and shoving, like my teammates trying to get people out of the way. And I, I was like the most – so everyone just started shoving. And I'm like, what the heck? And I got taken out. And I didn't even touch anybody. And everyone's like shoving everyone. I don't know why it got so heated. I think he had a bunch of friends or something happened. Um, and then it just escalated from there. I don't even – I got taken out and saw something happen and got back in there. I don't know. There's a lot to elaborate on. Long story short – the old school players were pretty happy with it, and the new school players were, were not happy with it at all. So. Yeah, we don't we don't have to air that, but that was a good that was a good story, dude. I heard that I heard that this guy was mouthing off to you, and then he sees like a Hawaiian family, and then like it's like okay, let's let's back <laughs> off a little bit, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't I don't know how it escalated, but. My dad was there quicker than I – he was there before I got there. I was shocked when I got over there. Yeah. But he just told me he saw it and he knew something was going to happen. So he booked it and all my family booked it with him because they're like, where's he going? So they were there quickly. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good story. It, it, it woke up the world a little bit, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Dude, how – how cool was it? Like, I, I can't even imagine because we don't have volleyball in Seattle. But, like, how nice was it to go home for the first time, play in stand against, like, oh, 10,000 fans, 
What was that feeling like? Like the first time? How sick? How badly did you want to win, too? Dude, so we <laughs> lost that first game back. We were number one. We hadn't lost a game in this in this season. We get there and we lose. And my family's there, and like I'm devastated. Like they were wearing UCLA in a fat and like a bunch of Hawaii, and like they were get stuff was going on, and um. We lost. So, I didn't say a single word. And I was, like, super trying to win that game, obviously. Yeah. And we – the ball – the last ball drops, and it's a back-to-back because it's Hawaii. Yeah. I didn't say a word from the time that that ball dropped until the next serve, the next day – or the next night. I didn't say <laughs> a word. Not, not to uh-huh. any – I didn't say a single word. I, I went home, sat there, and then – that next night was like ended up being my best game of my career, I'd say. And we won. And we won the next night, thank God. I was thank like God. you guys won in five, yeah? Yeah. Both we won nights in went five. five. Uh, I don't know. The first one would have probably went five. It could have been four or five, but it, I know it was really close and we lost it and I was like I was that's the most upset I've been after a loss. More uh I was going to say, more upset than losing the champions. I could see it actually meaning – not meaning more, but, like, it's, personally meaning more. Yeah. Yeah, because that's, no, like – No, 100%. That's huge. That one, like, more heart – because my family's, like, last name and, like, I don't know. We take a lot of, like, pride and stuff for, in family, and they were all there. So, I was, like – I was devastated after that loss for sure. Yeah, because, like, everybody – like, playing with Josh and, like, Josh is obviously pretty holly, but like still, when he when we went back our sophomore year, he was like, "Give me everything." Dude, <laughs> he it's was a like, different he's level like, of we intensity. He's like, "We cannot lose this match." Like, it's this. There's so much on the line, and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah." I was like, "What the hell?" I was like, "Please, <laughs> please do not walk on like into this with a different mentality." Like, we're the number one ranked team. Don't blow this for us. Is what I was thinking. Yeah. And, and then I started setting him every ball, and he must have hit, like, 700. And I was like, this Dude, is pretty sick. It is. It's so different. Like, when people go home, they're pretty stoked. They're like, oh, nice. Good to see people. For I think for, like, Hawaii people, when we go home, it's like you're locked into a whole nother level. But, like, are you, <laughs> are you guys' views as, like, traitors for leaving the island and going to mainland? Um, or is it like he's just know. trying to make a better life for himself? I don't think so. I think maybe the first couple of guys maybe were. But yeah. I'm so I'm so far down the line of people leaving that I think I'm safe. <laughs> like Micah left, the McKibbins left, like yeah. the Crabs left. Nobody stayed. Like Law- Brad Lawson, Spencer McLaughlin, everybody had left. So when yeah. it came to me, I feel like the pressure was kind of off. Hopefully. I'm hoping that that's the case. I haven't heard anything. They could be pissed. I have no idea. (laughs) Did you have pressure to stay back in Hawaii? Or was it always like, oh, like, he's for sure going to go to mainland? Not a lot. My parents didn't want me to stay. That's why. Okay. They wanted me to leave. um, And that's kind of the only people that, like, well, not the only people, but they have have the most control. Like, I, if I wanted to stay and they said no, I wouldn't have gotten to stay. So... They called the shop for me, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go somewhere and check it out. Was it – did you always know you are going to go to UCLA, or was it, like, a pretty – No. Is it dicey decision? Yeah, it was dicey. I was I was thinking about USC a lot because Tui was there. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, dude, I would love to keep playing with Tui. And then 
my dad was like, all right, we're going to UCLA. I'm like, okay. So that made my decision pretty easy for me. What was it like playing for uh, John Sparrott? Cool. That's a good question. I feel like John Sparrott has taken on this role of like the new godfather of volleyball in a sense. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know if that's true or not. Maybe it's completely biased, but I feel like everybody's like, he's, he's, he's like this, you know, and everyone's like, Oh, what's, what's John Sparrott like, but he's super down to earth. He's actually like a really caring person, which has been like pretty amazing to have in my life. When you leave Hawaii, um, super intellectual, he, he's like, he's like smart at everything, not just volleyball. He's like super curious about knowledge. He's always trying to find out about like science and cutting edge and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I would say that's what makes him mo the most different than other coaches I've ever played for is like, he's so invested in, in like pushing the game forward and like science and like not always doing things like the way that they've been done. But yeah. always trying to innovate. Uh, he's super innovative, super, super knowledgeable. Um, yeah, and he's super intellectual just with his approach on life, not only volleyball, but, like, he's always reading, like, studies and stuff. Like, I, haven't, I, haven't I haven't read anything over, like, five pages of science. And this guy's just reading books of science. I'm like, what are you doing? You're a volleyball <laughs> coach. And he's like, yeah, I know, but I love, like, I love learning. So, which is, like, super cool to be around. It's nice to be around people that are always, like, trying to learn new things and um, kind of push the envelope a little bit. That would be, like, my short summary of John Sprawl. Do you feel like him and, like, his curiosity has also influenced you in becoming more curious and learning about stuff? Because I remember when we talked when we were in Poitiers, you were like, yeah, I just invested in the market and I just bought myself like a new soundboard and all this stuff. Yeah. So like you're cur you're obviously like a pretty curious person if you're reading about the market on your spare time and you're trying to make it as like a SoundCloud god, you know? So like, yeah. would you say like he's like a like a influencer there in like your thoughts? Hundred percent. Whatever. Yeah, I think so. I think like being at you, I was always super curious. Yeah but not as much like intellectually curious as much as like physically curious, if that makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense in the way that you play. Yeah. So I was always super curious about everything. I still am. Zana gets upset with me almost every day. Cause I'm <laughs> like two days ago, I wanted to become a pro professional cricket bowler. Um, <laughs> like I'm always getting into the weirdest stuff and they last for like days and like, so she doesn't invest in them anymore, which is fair, because she knows that <laughs> next week it's going to be, like, bowling or real bowling or something else. But I've always been super curious, and he just made, like, my intellectual side um, a little bit cleaner. Like, I guess following my curiosities, he's helped that process be a little bit cleaner. Because before I would just, like, wonder things um, and come up with crazy theories and then just stop. And now I'm like, I pursue those theories a little bit farther and a little bit more in a more scientifically sound way because of his influence. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, because yeah, I remember you telling me you're that kid. Is you and I are like this? We're like, we'll, we'll be stuck on like Watch Mojo and be like top 10 deep sea monsters and then be like, is that <laughs> real? Is that real? <laughs> yeah, I can get caught up on 
anything. And I want and I want to be like the best at it. Yeah. Like really quickly and then I'll just like get on to the next. So here's a question that we're starting to ask everybody that comes on. It's kind of okay. deep. It's kind of hard. It's kind of gnarly. But Jordan Larson brought this up to us because she said they're starting to do a lot of Zoom calls with the national team and they're trying to like find a new identity or not a new okay. identity, but like refine their culture and make it better. Yeah. Right. So that like they're not wasting time. They're investing their time right now and they can just go on and be better for ready for the Olympics. Yeah. And the two questions that they ask each other are, who are you and what do you stand for? Jesus. Yeah, so Michael Ma, who are you and what do you stand for? Wow. Um, you know what's interesting is I've tried to tackle this question a lot. Yeah. And I'm sure everybody has tried to tackle this question At a lot. At some point in time in your life, you have to. 100%. Um, and I just can't figure it out. Like, I have, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I've learned, like, a few things. One is that I'm, I'm really curious um i'm mostly like a pretty optimistic person or like positive i would say um i'm more into like having a good time than other people sometimes like i sometimes i struggle to like take things seriously so i would say i'm i like to be a child so like i'm curious like just like a child would be like really curious um try not to take things too seriously like anything bad happens try and be like okay like it's not the end of the world um like to have a lot of fun um let me think of a couple other things that that's who i am i'm kind of a chameleon in the sense of like um like i'm always trying to change i'm always trying to get better i'm like not always trying to just this is who i am yeah i'm pretty open to like change in any way Except for maybe there's some things that I wouldn't want to change. Um, and then what do I – like, that's such a weird way to – that's such a basic way to ex- describe myself. Could you, could you like, prompt some questions that would help me or no? So, like, here's – here look, we could provide you with an example. That would so be like, great. For me, when people are like, who are you? What do you stand for? I say, as a volleyball athlete, I've always wanted to leave this legacy behind of – he was a he was a really good player, but he was a better guy. Yeah. And like that was always that's always the most important thing to me is like I helped you achieve so much more personality wise than I could have ever done on the court. So like I just tried to make everybody as good as they possibly could be on and off the court, whether it's like as a brother, a son, a father a player, a coach, whatever. Like, I just wanted to bring out the best. Wow. That's my thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's really concise and, like, really, like, also not. That's, that's a really good answer to that. Um, I would say I'm kind of along those lines. I would say what I stand for, maybe Zana can help a little bit of this. What do you think I stand for? <laughs> oh, I really stand for fairness. Like, yeah. one of my biggest pet peeves, and I know this is, like, the worst thing to get bothered by because life totally isn't fair. But when things aren't fair, that's one of the few times I get really upset. Uh, even, though both, I know it's, <laughs> even though I know it's not like that, I haven't accepted that at all. Like, 
So things aren't fair. I really have a hard time with that. I don't think I'll ever accept it. Like, I, I mean, I talk about so it all hard. the time with, like, Jackson and stuff. Like, we got fucking robbed my junior year. We should have went to the tournament. And I'll never let it down. <laughs> I'll never let it down. And yeah. everybody, everybody's like, dude, get over it. I'm like, no, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I'll never let it down. It's impossible. Yeah. So many people are like, get over it. I'm like, those are just things I can't. No, anything, sure. anything where I was not in total and complete control over, and then I got screwed, I'll never get over them. Like, I'll <laughs> never put my life into somebody else's hands. I just get robbed yeah, yeah, every yeah. time. No, 100%. God, that's just, that's a hard question. I also have, like, always asked other people who I am because I feel like that is more of a reflection of, like, who I am than who I want to be. Yeah. Because they can, like, they're like, oh, you actually are this. And, like, I know sometimes people can, like, say they are something that they're not because they want to be it or, like, they think of themselves as that. But, like, am I really that? Am I, like, doing that in the real world? Like, is that something you can feel and see in, like, my actions? Um, so I've always just let other people describe who I am because I feel like it's just more accurate. Like, that's actually what I'm doing. Yeah, because your yeah your perception could be misguided sometimes, especially about ourselves, you know. So, and especially, yeah. especially and if you have a good crew around you who tell you the truth, right? Which is like important because you can't just let everybody just like determine who you are and what you are. Um, but yeah, I try to keep it to like the people that I think really know me, um, and that are honest and that can really like help me out and want what's best for me i would ask them because i wouldn't ask like people i i might have a skewed version of me or that don't really know all sides of me for sure and i would then let's throw that in for what you stand for fairness trust yeah integrity honesty and i i think curiosity i think yeah curiosity i think a big one for you would be family yeah just having a fun time too with like Anyone and everyone, I don't, I don't want to like have a day go by where it's like, oh, that day was just, eh, you know, mm-hmm. like I want, if I'm here, I want to like have a good time with those people. Um, just be like present as much as I can be and like put a big emphasis on like having a good time and trying to like be positive about a lot of things. Yeah, I bet that, I bet your teammates love that about you. Yeah, I hope so. I can. Yeah. I can't speak for them. But. All right. I'll, I mean, All right. So, yeah. random question for you. Yeah. When you when you first got into college, who who was the first person to give you the business? Like on the other side of the net, who just kind of dominated? That's a good question. When I first got into, ooh, I know who this was actually. This was Nicholas Surgeon. Uh, okay. He gave Nicholas everybody Surgeon, the business, dude. He. He ended our year um, in the semis, and, dude, we had lined – we were doing a 6-2, and we had lined me up. So he liked to serve straight down the line, if you remember, Matt. Yeah, yeah. He served straight ahead, and yeah. Sparrow had this genius idea of putting me there when he <laughs> came up to serve. And I remember being like, that's not a good idea, coach. Like, <laughs> that's not a good idea. What a like, mentality no, 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 to walk you. into the match with. He's like, no, 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 we're going to put you right there. 
So I line up, and this guy hit me with the first serve, and I swear to God, it was like 25 rafters up. I shanked this thing harder than I've ever shanked a ball. And I remember looking at Dylan like, dude, what was that? <laughs> and the, in the second set, he, he put it down 8-0. 8-0 with me and Dylan next to each other looking at each other like, dude, I, you got to take more seam, my guy. You got to take more seam. I got the line. That's all I got. Oh, man. Uh, he served me. God. That's probably the biggest in my entire life I've never been owned like like Nicholas Sturgeon has owned me. Dude, his serve was so gnarly because – He it, destroyed me. It, like, obviously is, like, 70-plus miles an hour consistently, but it, it moved. It is insane, dude. You it couldn't figure out so the, much. the depth. Like, I'd line up at the end line being like, all right, here we go. And I'd like – it'd be like two feet in front of me. I'd move up and hit me in the chest. I'm like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> like, the distance alone, like, the depth alone was like – I just remember being like, dude, I, if I can get this anywhere up on our side of the court, that like, that is a huge win. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he – that's the most – by far to this day I've been like owned consistently was being lined up right in his freaking wheelhouse. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Dude, did you get him back? Yeah. I mean, you're a good server. Did you get him back at least once? I don't know. I don't I only remember just getting owned. I'm I don't remember <laughs> getting any I don't remember a single good point of that match. Oh. But we lost 17-15 in the fifth uh, in the yeah. in the semis. Uh, on his ace. But he didn't ace me, but he aced our libero. Um, and in I just remember counting. You're just like <laughs> counting around and you're like, we got to get this done before this guy in, ends up on the service line. And we just didn't. We just kept pushing it to deuce and then he showed up. Is he one of the best players you've ever played against? Yeah. Who's the he best? Was in- Who's the best? Oh, wow. Um, oh, that's a good question. In college? I would say Surgeon was the best. He was better, just in such a groove. Better than TJ? Better than TJ. I'm trying to think of the top players that I've played against. TJ and, and Surgeon. I'd say Surgeon was just in such a groove. Yeah. Um, I'd say Surgeon. And then internationally, the best player I've played against. Man, because there's some guys that are just randos, and they just work you, and you're like, I don't even know who you are. That you too. Just, dude, you just the French League me. opens you up and you're like, dude, there's so many, many good, good players, players everywhere. Oh my god, dude. They're so like but, you also realize how important net play is and like any ball that's on the net, you're like, there's actually a chance I might lose now. Whereas in college yeah. you could just go over people or through them. Sure. Now you're like, Oh, there's timing and like they'll just wax me into the stance. They're so yeah, there's super good players everywhere. I would say the best player that played against would be the most unstoppable player that I've seen was Politeo. Uh, when I saw this guy, I was like, are you kidding me? This yeah, guy's like so gnarly. Unstoppable. And then I played him in a scrimmage when he was 17. And like at that point he didn't have like the arm yet. Like he was still developing into his own. Dude. So we're like take line, dig angle. And so that's how we played him, because he could just go block out yeah. on everybody. But then all of a sudden, like, well, he he still ended up winning MVP of the tournament, playing, like, two years up. And yeah. then Pankov, or, like, Ivan Drago is what we called him, 
the kid who was serving like 80 miles an hour at 17. We were like, what is wrong with these kids, dude? I would say the most, the, yeah, the most incredible thing I've seen is just the, the whole Russian national team. <laughs> the whole team. Like, yeah. dude, Kliuka is He's so unbelievable. Sick. <laughs> He's unbelievable, dude. You they're, just like, yeah. Their physicality is just, it's like crazy how much it stands out to me. Like, they're just something yeah. else. They're I mean, all Matt Taylor, Anderson. Taylor Sanders is also, like, just to, to see what this guy can do is unbelievable. Between him, so between him and Aaron Russell, who do you have a bigger man crush yeah. on? They're both unbelievable <laughs> volleyball players and people. Yeah. Like, they're both, like, the coolest, most, like, go with the flow. They're so relaxed. Aaron Russell's um, the, one of the nicest people I've ever met. Dude, yeah, and he's so been, nice. He's, they've both been like that since we were like fourteen. Yeah, they're so nice. They're so relaxed. It's crazy. Taylor, like, you couldn't make a more relaxed human being. No, I mean, even like, when he walks in the gym and he dude, just has he his, even, like rainbows on, just cruising. <laughs> he could he could run like a hundred yard dash probably in five seconds and not even sweat and just be like, like laughing along. <laughs> like, I've never seen this guy stressed out in my life. Mm-hmm. And I've ne- I've also never seen a guy in so much pain while we warm up. Really? He's like warming up and like barely bending, and he's always like, ah. Yeah, he ah. is. Always- <laughs> no, but he's just like slowly getting himself. Like- yeah, and then like he just starts whipping balls, and then like through warm ups, you're like, all right, dude, I'm ready. Like I want to see something sick, and then all of a sudden you go full speed, and he's just yachting bicks everywhere, and you're like. Dude, where was this the last so hour we were warming up, dude? So effortless. <laughs> oh, it's so sick. He was yeah. when I was in the gym, and he was having his baby, and he had to like hang out for a couple weeks from VNL. Yeah, he was playing with the B team, and like he's just cruising, like just giving everybody the business every single day. And yeah. I remember Jonas like saved a ball. He like set him a ball from ten feet off, like the back line in one. And he just chucks up a prayer and it's right on the net. And Ron and I are standing next to each other. And Ron goes, watch this. And <laughs> Sander goes up and it's Shaw, uh, gorgeous George. And who was on the left? I think it was Jake Arnitz and like Shaw and gorgeous George left like that little golden triangle right there. And Sander goes up and he goes, hi, and just very, <laughs> buries it inside of the 10 foot line it just like walked away dying laughing at these guys and ron goes that guy's pretty good huh and just walked away i was like what is this like this is a joke for him i've seen him do things that i've never seen anybody else do like he is he is incredible he's on he uh when he first went into the gym and like we all walked in it was right after they lost it was like right at the end of his senior year when he won MVP of that world league, like the first world yeah. league he ever played in. Yeah. And he hit three of the nastiest, like cutting roll shots I had ever seen. And it was the first day. And I was like, if this oh, is really? going to be, I was like, if this is going to be his career, this is going to be the sickest career ever to watch. Yeah. He's incredible. He's my favorite player to watch. I'd say in the USA gym, maybe uh, anything can pop off at any time. Micah, have you ever thought of beach? Yeah, I thought about it a little bit. Um, 
just in order to stay home and see like be here for people um yeah it's definitely not out of the question i have no idea if i'll do it but it seems yeah. pretty fun it's a nice lifestyle too yeah yeah i mean you have like a great example right next to you yeah it's a super nice lifestyle just at the beat like these guys just live it up yeah do you how much longer do you think you want to play indoor dude i have no idea like i'm That's gonna try and better. do yeah i'm gonna try and like do the natural thing what people do is like don't they like after every quad they kind of like reassess yeah sure uh, i just kind of i'm gonna like go through this one and then right after i'll try and sit down and see and then go through the next one if that is a thing and then sit down and see unless like some crazy thing happens that's kind of wanna how I want to attack it for sure, though. Well, that's probably the smart way. I mean, if everybody's doing it, it's probably the right way to do it. Right, right. It just seems like that makes the most sense. Because you don't want to leave, like, the year before or, like, I don't know. Yeah, you want to get the max, like, max potential out of it and just milk it while you can. For sure. So. Are you guys doing anything, like, any Zoom meetings or Zoom calls with AB or Tim or whatever to, like, keep you guys going? We do like a Zoom call once a week, but it's pretty just like really relaxed. It's just like updates on USA and like the coronavirus and stuff like that. It's not like training sessions or anything like that. Super relaxed. That's mo. I mean, do you guys, I feel like our men's team has pretty good camaraderie on it. Like just in yeah. general. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say so. Um, and there's not like a ton that we could, maybe there is. But I feel like there's not a ton we could be doing. Um, Fair. Like over the Zoom, for sure we could watch film. I don't know what else. Talk. We could do like some identity things and stuff like that. But we just haven't been. We've just been kind of relaxing, which is pretty nice. <laughs> I can yeah, imagine, for all, dude. For all the players, I mean, when's the last time they got this amount of time off? 100%. Yeah, yeah I can't man. imagine for like guys that have been doing this for a long time. Yeah, guys like just, Matt and Micah, where they can like, just be with their probably heaven on earth. Oh yeah, dude, where they can like be with their kids and just relax. I wonder. I was thinking about. I was like, I wonder how many of these yeah. guys are gonna be with their kids for an extended period of time, and come back and be like, I don't know if I want to. My kid's pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> dude, that's such a good point. I wonder, just everyone in their occupation after they come back from this is gonna be like, Nah, this isn't for me. I did some thinking. Yeah, you know, for real, for sure. Like, there's just, just so much remote. time on people's hands to try and like figure out what they want to do with their lives. Yeah, true. Yeah, how many people are just gonna? They're like, unemployment's actually the best thing that's happened for me. I'm gonna go <laughs> do it. I'm just gonna go do something else. Like, I hated working at for my sure. job, anyways. Yeah, so many. I don't know. I think like a lot of people are reconsidering just where they are in their lives. Undoubtedly. Yeah. For well, sure. this is like the perfect time for you to answer, you know, your questions. Who are you? And what do you stand for? This is it. I know. I know. I definitely, I definitely have a, I don't have like a sentence, but I have like a rough idea, which is a lot better than I used to have it. Yeah. If you have like a vision, that's pretty good. That steps in the yeah, right direction. Yeah, I have like, I can kind of like wrap it together in like a really not specific way. <laughs> Yeah, throw some things out there. All of us have a ways to go until we're a finished product. 100%, yeah, for oh sure. 
Well, Micah, I, I think we're good here. Sick. Thanks That's for it, having man. me, boys. Dude, Dude for thank you on. so much. That was awesome. Of course. Of course, man. It was good to see you guys. And what do you guys – what is this called? What is this podcast called? It's called I Think We're Good Here because Marv, whenever you end anything, Marv always says, and uh, I think we're good here. And then you just bounce. <laughs> Sick. Okay, yeah. okay. And where can I find it? You can find it on uh, Apple Podcasts or like we have a what's it called an Instagram account with all the links on it and stuff. Go. Just look okay, up. I think we're good guys. here. So yeah, Sick. and then uh, yeah, man. Thank you again. It was awesome. Really. Of course, dude. I think we're good here. I think we're good here. <laughs> Thanks, Micah. All right. Nice to meet you, Jackson. You too, bro. Take care. Got it.